morning, Texas. Welcome to Justice for All, Wyatt Wright Show. I'm Wyatt Wright, and on this show, we talk about our rights and the laws that govern us, laws you've heard about and care about and would certainly miss if they were gone. I've spent half a lifetime watching government go from trying to do what's right and failing to trying to do what's wrong and succeeding. Every year, more and more of our personal rights are erased from the books, while Americans stand idly by. Not because we don't care, of course we care, but our lives are busy enough. We're raising kids, we're feeding our families. While we're busying ourselves with life, the metaphorical water temperatures rising all around us, like that frog that gets boiled without ever knowing it. Well, on this show, we discuss our legal issues in Texas that affect you and me, the people of Texas. We take a hard look at the laws that affect your freedom, your ability to access the courts, to vote, to speak freely, or in short, to live the American dream. Stick around. Today we'll be reaching out to Austin, Texas, to visit with Alex Winslow, director of Texas Watch, a nonpartisan citizen advocacy group. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in and get wet. Some of you may know that in addition to practicing law, uh, I'm also a, a United States Coast Guard licensed master or captain of vessels uh, up to 50 gross tons. Now, I was at sea not long ago when a nasty storm came up. Nasty storm, and it was right ahead of a low-pressure front. Hundreds of miles offshore, huge waves had formed. They were rushing toward the land. But the vastness and depths of the ocean made the waves seem no more than minor ripples. But as we got closer to the land, these huge waves ran aground and built up and hit the shallow waters and began crawling into the sky for 10, 15, 20 feet before breaking falling over, stirring up everything in its path. Mariners will tell you that this is especially devastating when it's low tide. This is because boats are pulled and smashed into the shallower ground and then thrown ashore into wharves and piers, destroying and damaging everything in its path. Remember that areas of deep water are unaffected by the waves. It's the shallower bays that get violently ripped apart. Rough waters at low tide, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing good comes from it. This analogy is helpful when reviewing the actions of our Texas Supreme Court. The current makeup of the court has been put in place by corporate interests to operate the largest wave-making machine ever known to this great state. The court has spent more than a decade creating tsunami-sized legal waves, which are nothing more than a ripple to the mega corporations with deep pockets, but which completely rip apart and devastate the ordinary citizens of Texas gathered near the shoreline. You and me and our neighbors and our kids and our grandkids. How can we be letting this happen? Because the billion with a B dollar propaganda machine of these behind the scenes civil justice assassins is highly polished. It's ever convincing and it's always at the ready. So convincing are these assassins that they manage to keep selling poison bottles of hemlock, and they're labeled as vitamins. Shouldn't the Supreme Court be fair? Well, I mean, even the name is majestic. Most Texans envision the type of Supreme Court that is the stuff of novels and black and white movies which speak to the virtues of character and honor. The grandma and grandpa type figures who rule from the bench absolutely impartially without agenda of any kind. 
They remember that the institution demands it. Personal and political feelings are set aside, and the greater good is rewarded by the decisions from blindfolded justices who know, ladies and gentlemen, that the bench doesn't belong to them. In fact, by justices who feel humbled with the knowledge that their privilege to be on the bench is short-lived, which in turn protects the image and sanctity that the very name Supreme Court should carry. A court where wrongdoers should fear to tread, lest they be severely rebuked by the wise and noble justices protecting our way of life for all generations to come. But the current Texas Supreme Court, in large part, has sullied its own name and become more akin to a special interest lobbyist group doling out victories to big corporations at the expense of regular people. Today, our focus will be on looking at the actions of the Texas Supreme Court from the years 2000 to 2010. And to help us do just that, we have a guest. Joining us is Alex Winslow, the executive director of Texas Watch, a nonpartisan citizen advocacy organization striving to provide a countervoice to special interest lobbyists and ensure that our laws reflect the true needs of Texas citizens. Alex, thank you for joining us today on the Wyatt Wright Show. It's a pleasure, Wyatt. Thank you for having me. Well, it's exciting. I mean, this is here we are in the, in the spring uh, or the early spring, late winter uh, of 2012, early 2012, and we're looking forward to all the upcoming elections uh, this year and, and what's going to be happening. And, and to, to help us get going, uh, there's a brand-new report out by Court Watch entitled Thumbs on the Scale, a retrospective of the Texas Supreme Court, 2000 to 2010. Alex, who is Court Watch, and why was this report written? Well, Court Watch is a project of the Texas Watch Foundation. It's a, it, we've been monitoring the uh, Texas Supreme Court since 1996, uh, and this report takes a look back uh, from 2000 to 2010, as you said. Uh, every year we have put out a report about the Supreme Court for well over a decade now, and we decided uh, let's take a look uh, a longer look uh, and compile some data to see is this uh, something that just ha- comes up once a year or is this a longer-term trend? And certainly what we found is that over the long term, you look at the Supreme Court of Texas and you find that it is a uh, pro-big business, pro-big government entity um, that 79% of the time finds in favor of big big government and big business over the interests of everyday Texans. Well, that's interesting. So looking at the statistics is really what helps you to, to be able to write a report like this, right? I mean, you can't just go in and look at one case and say, aha, we figured it out. That's right. I mean, you have, you have to look at the big picture in order to, 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 make some, to draw the conclusions that are necessary to find out what's going on at this court. Certainly there are case examples uh, up and down the line from uh, the beginning of the decade all the way through to today um, that point to the larger trends. But the trend itself is really inarguable. I mean, you cannot uh, argue with the fact that this Supreme Court, uh, over a long-term trend, right. has favored the interests of businesses and government over the interests of everyday Texans. And, you know, everyday Texans, we're talking about um, homeowners and patients, uh, senior citizens, small business owners, um, folks who are uh, just trying to get by every day and make enough money to put food on the table and hopefully put their kids through college and put a little bit of, a little bit away for retirement. Right. Um, and this court uh, rules against those folks uh, in uh, almost 80% of cases when they're pitted against um, the government or a corporate entity. 
That's amazing. Let me tell you, you're getting my attention because that's exactly what we focus on here. And when it comes to regular Texans getting the short end of the stick, I want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to understand this. This report uh, issued by Court Watch, thumbs on the scale, a retrospective of the Texas Supreme Court 2000-2010, is available on your website at texaswatch.org. Now, here's the deal that that I'm thinking. In America, we have this concept of separation of powers which seeks to, uh, you know, what is it, keep the judiciary insulated, really, uh, from the politics and the lobbying, which is present in the other branches of government. How insulated, Alex, and how impartial is our Texas Supreme Court today? Well, our findings show that they're not insulated or impartial really at all. Um, You know, without a doubt, the the legislature and the governor have had their fair share to do with the elimination of rights in in our state. And Uh and you and I have talked about this on your show, and I I think it's something you talk about on a regular basis here on your show. Um, But the court has gone above and beyond even what the legislature and the governor have done and and imputed um, the law where it was never meant to go. uh, ignoring the legislature's intent, ignoring the, even in some cases the clear meaning of the statute in order to find in a sort of activist results-oriented way in favor of a, of a corporate entity. Um, and this is not what we want from our court, no. right? We expect the uh, judges who sit on the highest court in the land uh, to be above all of that, sure. to look only at the law and make decisions based on the law, not on political gamesmanship, not on, um, you know, what's the most expedient thing in order to attract a particular mm-hmm. donor. Those are not factors we expect our judges to consider when they're making their decisions. No, uh, we right. certainly expect that of other politicians, like members of the legislature and the governor, but we put our judges quite literally up on a pedestal. Yeah, and, and we've come to expect that. Uh, uh, that's right. I mean, we expect that our judges... Uh, are going to be above all of that, and sadly and unfortunately, yeah. it just hasn't been. It just hasn't isn't been the case the, of the Texas. Supreme hasn't Court. been the case, and you know, I, I mean, look, our laws are only as good as the courts that enforce them. I mean, isn't that an accurate statement? I mean, we're, we're sitting here, and, and essentially, we have laws on the books, uh, whether it's 150 years of jurisprudence or 10 years of jurisprudence. But nevertheless, we have these laws, and we expect the courts to enforce them. If the courts don't enforce those laws and make their own, then it's it's sort of like let's throw our hands up in the air uh, and why have the laws in the first place? Uh, you know, and, and I won't get your response, but if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. On this program, we point out and discuss the ever-increasing disappearance of our American rights. Now, Alex, this report concluded that the Texas Supreme Court consistently and overwhelmingly rewards corporate defendants at the expense of Texas families. Explain for us what that means uh, in plain English. In plain English, what that means is that uh, Texas families just aren't getting a fair shake when they go to the highest court in the land. Um, And not only is it that there's an appearance of an activist uh, pro-defendant, and by pro-defendant I mean um, pro-corporate, pro-government pension at the court, but this court also has a disregard for local juries. you know, our juries are our smallest, most local, least corruptible form of government that we have, and we should adhere strongly to uh, the decisions that our local juries make as fact finders. And unfortunately, this court, time and time again, right. ignored um, local juries to the tune of three quarters of the time in consumer cases. So, what we found is that 74% of the time, when a local jury finds in favor of a consumer mm-hmm. or an individual Texan, the, and, the, and that case made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Three-quarters of the time, the, the, the Supreme Court overturned that local jury. Right. 
Um, that, again, is not the role of our high court. The right. high court is supposed to adhere to the law and give deference to our local juries. And unfortunately, um, this court just, just doesn't do that. They don't do that. And, and what you can't see uh, uh, here on the radio, I'm going to tell you that right now in the studio we're filming this segment, uh, and, and we've just zoomed in on some of the statistics that is present in the report and on some of the win rates that you've got a graph there uh, in the report, which is astonishing. Uh, and so our listeners not only can go get that at TexasWatch.org, but they'll be able to log on to WyattWrightShow.com and look at the video of this show, and you'll see what we're pointing out here. I mean, this is, this is important stuff. Uh, let's talk about some of these numbers, Alex. I mean, you've given some of them. I'm looking at the graph, which is which is absolutely astonishing. And you're looking at a, de- a defendant plaintiff win rate, and there appears to be a shift. If I'm reading this correctly, there appears to be a shift right here at about the year 2000, where Rick Perry becomes governor. Am I accurate? That's right. Um, you know, before then, uh, uh, when George W. Bush was governor, he was appointing members to the court. Um, who were, while certainly defense-oriented and certainly conservative, um, adhered more closely to, um, you know, uh, the traditions of jurisprudence. And so we, we saw a, a narrowing of the gap between the wins of individual Texans and the sure. wins of, of corporate defendants. And then in 2000, when uh, Rick Perry became governor after George W. Bush became president, we saw a dramatic a widening of that gap between uh, the success rates of defendants and plaintiffs. Uh, and that was a steady increase over the course of the decade that continues to this day. I mean, well, how did, how did that happen? ongoing trend. Okay, so how did that happen? How do these justices get to be on the Supreme Court? Well, in Texas we elect judges, but most of the time when a judge decides they don't want to run again and they want to retire from the bench, they'll leave early. And that gives the governor the opportunity to fill that vacancy with an appointment. Um, and most of the time, uh, whoever the governor appoints ends up getting reelected, uh, ends up being elected to a full term. Uh-huh. And so um, a majority of the members of the Texas Supreme Court right now were originally appointed by Governor Rick Perry. Uh, and when he started making those appointments is when we saw this dramatic shift on the court away from relative uh, a relative desire to uh, uh, adhere to, juris- uh-huh. to traditions of jurisprudence uh, toward this activist, results-oriented, pro-defendant, pension that we see today on the court. Wow. And, and, and that gives those justices then the ability, if they get appointed, to run on the next election ticket as an incumbent. Is that right? As an incumbent, with all of the benefits of incumbency, yeah. including uh, the ability to raise more money because it's based solely on their incumbency. Just amazing. Now, the statistics report, and I think we, we've already started to segue into this, but the, they reported, the report showed that what we don't have is a group of nine free-thinking justices, which correct me if I'm wrong, is the constitutional formula to help keep the court in balance. That's why there's not one person on the Supreme Court. That's, not why, that's why there's not an even number on the Supreme Court. So instead, the report concluded that these justices vote in lockstep and exercise a type of groupthink that, that favors these defendants. Tell us more about this groupthink uh, uh, conundrum that you've, you've uh, laid out in the report. Yeah, what we found is that the members of the court agree with each other nine out of ten times. So there's not the, the level of discourse and debate and dissension that you need on a, on a court like the Supreme Court to make sure that, the, that they're getting the decisions correct, yeah. right? On the U.S. Supreme Court, we have a very high level of discussion and dissension uh, as opposed to the Texas Supreme Court where basically they agree with each other all the time, right. at least in 90% of the cases. Um, and so you don't have the opportunity for today's dissent to become tomorrow's law, right? Um, you want to have these, these discussions in an open forum 
uh, on our high court so that the law has an opportunity to, to grow, to evolve, and uh, to meet the needs of today's society. Instead, uh, you have all of these justices simply agreeing sure. with each other, and you don't have that uh, 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 forceful conversation right. to make sure that they're getting the decision it, correct. It, it, it seems to me it's kind of like uh, having a board of directors, and, and on the board of directors I put myself, my wife, my kids, and my father, uh, and then we, we just all naturally are going to uh, vote impartially. That's, uh, a, that's a perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah. right. Well, you know, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. On this program, we point out and discuss the ever-increasing disappearance of our American rights. With us on the phone right now is Alex Winslow, the executive director of Texas Watch, a nonpartisan consumer watchdog organization in Austin who is responsible for Court Watch's recent report, which has just been issued, entitled Thumbs on the Scale, a retrospective of the Texas Supreme Court 2000 to 2010. All right. Now, Alex, in addition to looking at the statistics about which group the the Texas Supreme Court seems to favor. The report also created what it calls a pro-consumer score for each justice. Tell us about this pro-consumer score and why that's important to me. Well, we went back and uh, uh, wanted to look at each individual justice over the course of the the decade, uh, or at least their time on the court during that decade, to see just how favorable they are to consumers or how favorable they are to corporate defendants. And what we found is that the scores are abysmally low. Um, it shouldn't surprise anybody on a court that, as a group, decides 79% of the time against consumers mm-hmm. that uh, individual justices would also have very low scores. The highest score we found was only 35% ruling in favor of consumers for an individual judge. It went all the way down with Justice Don Willett at the bottom, uh, only siding with consumers 19% of the time. Um, and in 81% of, uh, out of 100 cases, Justice Willett is, is finding in favor of uh, corporate defendants and, and government sure. entities. Uh, this is just this is amazing. You, you know this this whole concept that that the Supreme Court uh, has been put in place and continues to vote in lockstep really ought to be of extreme concern to all Texans. Now here's somewhere else I want to go. We have a jury system in America, and we have it here in Texas. It's a marvelous system. I'm involved with it as an attorney, and the jury system is a concept that basically allows the final say over facts of a case to rest with 12 good citizens. And in your report, you pointed out that that means 24 eyes and 24 ears being the ultimate lie detector in in any case where justice is concerned. But the statistics show here that the Texas Supreme Court not only sided with big business all these times, but they reversed jury decisions in 74% of consumer cases since 2004. Aren't the decisions of juries supposed to be sacred? They are, and certainly the, the highest court in the land should give deference to local juries. And this was of such great concern that um, the current chief justice of the Texas Supreme Court, Wallace Jefferson, wrote in a pretty scathing dissent that he was concerned about this and that the court was going beyond uh, its role of looking at the law and reevaluating, right. and instead reevaluating the facts that had already been determined by the jury. And a former member, a George W. Bush appointee to, to the Texas Supreme Court, uh, James Baker, did the same thing and raised concerns about uh, the court uh, overstepping its bounds into the, into the jury box. And, yeah. you know, this is a, a real concern. This really demonstrates the activist nature of this court. Gotcha. Um, the, the role of the court, as, as we've said, is to look at the law and leave the fact-finding to the local jury. You bet. And in, and in a growing trend in case after case, we see this court find, uh, uh, 
reaching into that jury box and usurping the role of the local jury and uh, to to weigh in on the facts of the case rather than just ruling on the law. Yeah, I mean, at some point, it seems that uh, there really ought to be a new standard in Texas. Uh, it is a very easy procedure for the Supreme Court to adopt uh, when deciding how to rule in a case. They simply look at a case and they see, aha, in front of us we have an original plaintiff and original defendant. That being the case, we'll go ahead and rule for the defendant. I mean, th- that, that type of jump-to-a-conclusion type uh, result-oriented decision-making is something that ought to be very scary to people who are listening. Now, I hear the phrase judicial activism being used quite a bit lately. I I know that it can be used simply to describe decisions that somebody doesn't agree with, but the definition indicates that judicial activism are rulings which are based on reasons other than existing law. And these statistics that you have in this report don't lie. I'm wondering, Alex, if the rulings of this Texas Supreme Court could rightly be called the judicial activism or am I way off base? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, And uh, and that's the working definition we use too, Wyatt. Um, you know, th- these decisions should be based on the law, and you know whether you agree with the decisions of the Supreme Court or not, from a political standpoint, um, it cannot be argued that this that this court is not activist. Without a doubt, this court engages in judicial activism of the highest order. Uh, when you see not only this, the, the statistics, which are stark, but you look at individual cases and you and you read the opinions and the decisions. Uh, and the reasoning behind these decisions, you, there's no other way to argue it but to say yeah. this court engages in judicial activism. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's what I was afraid of. You know, in, in the time frame covered by this report, uh, has the Texas Supreme Court followed the law laid out by the legislature? And what I mean by that is I seem to understand from this report that there is this concept that sometimes the court narrowly interprets the law and other times it interprets it very broadly. If we're talking about legislative statutes, how does the court fare in interpreting or, or holding up those statutes? It, it, it entirely depends on what the court wants to do. It's it, it, because of the results-oriented nature. At times, uh, they'll read the statute very narrowly and very closely, and other times they'll give it very broad context, um, all in an effort to, to reach a pre, pre, what we believe is a predetermined result, um, rather than establishing a single standard of, of reading the statute and making an interpretation based on that standard, right. um, regardless of who wins and who loses. Right. That's what we want our judges to do. We don't want our judges to, to care one whit who wins and loses. We sure. just want them to look at the law and make a decision based on the law. Um, and what we find is that too often this court is, is, is uh, utilizing different standards in different cases to reach what appears to be a predetermined result. Sure, and, and that's that, you know, the stability of the law seems to be disappearing. One thing I've noticed is that the law in Texas has changed so dramatically in the last 10 years or so that even the law schools are throwing their hands up in the air. I mean, these changes aren't just minor shift. They're literally textbook burners. Right. So you've got professors teaching a subtle area of the law to students, which hasn't changed in 150 years, and all of a sudden the Supreme Court, by the time the bar exam comes around, spins it 180 degrees in the other direction. I'm glad I don't have to take the bar this July because that would be a scary thing. And and the reason I'm bringing that up is because I'm worried about the institutional knowledge of right and wrong. It, it seems to be disappearing, and, and we're going to be turning out lawyers who, who will only understand the law as imposed by the new Texas Supreme Court. Doesn't well, this pose a danger? And it certainly does. And I, and I think we have, to, we have to recognize that this is um, across the board, these, uh, these shifts in the law uh, that have the legislature and the governor and the Supreme Court all playing a role in dramatically shifting um, uh, the law away from protection of individual Texans to shielding 
uh, wrongdoers in, uh, in both uh, the corporate CEOs, uh, boardrooms, and in government offices. So this, the Supreme Court has played a major role in that, but we also have to recognize that the legislature and the governor have played a huge, huge part in yeah. that dramatic uh, sea change that we've seen in Texas. Just crazy. And, and this report also highlights what it calls the dirty dozen, 12 of the worst anti-consumer opinions written in the decade. We don't have time to cover those here today, but I urge everyone to get a copy of the report from TexasWatch.org uh, and just see what everybody's been uh, talking about and why this report makes so much sense. Alex, you've said uh, that, quote, Texans deserve a Supreme Court willing to stand up to the special interests, not one that hides behind them. Uh, as a parting comment here, do you think that Texans are in for more rulings from this Supreme Court that seem to continue to throw decades of precedent under the bus? I would like to say that uh, we're seeing a reversal of the trend and that this court is going to recognize uh, the problems and and resort to sanity. Um, But unfortunately, no, I I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. The response we've gotten since we issued this report from the court's uh, primarily from its taxpayer-funded spokesperson, is just simply condescension wow. um, and, and an arrogance that refuses to recognize that there are serious issues with regard to how this court uh, reaches its decisions. Um, it is a sad state of affairs when the highest court in the land simply cannot take criticism well. Just amazing. And uh, the, the Texas families deserve better. They we do deserve, deserve a court that will stand up for their uh, for the law and make sure that uh, uh, – families and small business owners are at least getting a fair shake. Thank you very much, Alex, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, Wyatt. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, uh, this has been Alex Winslow visiting with us. He's the executive director of Texas Watch, a nonpartisan citizen advocacy group working to ensure that our laws reflect the true needs of Texas citizens. Go see what they're all about at www.texaswatch.org. There you can also get a copy of the report we've been discussing, uh, which is entitled Thumbs on the Scale, a Retrospective of the Texas Supreme Court 2000 to 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this isn't about political parties. I want to make that clear. This has nothing to do with political parties. We have had honest and impartial Supreme Courts in Texas that were Republican as well as Democrat. That doesn't matter. Instead, what this is about is an organized agenda to bend the pendulum of justice so far to one side that the powerful corporations will be able to treat Texans like cattle uh, for generations to come unless we do something about it. Well, I tell you what, we're going to have to wrap up this show, but as you go through your week, remember that it was Justice Learned and who so famously said, if we're to keep our democracy, there must be one commandment. Thou shalt not ration justice. Come see us on the website, wyattrightshow.com. Have a good day, everybody. Let's talk again next week right here on Justice for All, The Wyatt Wright Show. Fight, fight.